right, well, hello, everyone. Um, like Kurt said, my name's Marisa. I think I know probably most of the people in the room, so good to see some familiar faces. Um, and I'm excited to just get to speak tonight and continue in our series of um, the parables of Jesus. So if y'all have been with us the last couple weeks or heard parables before, um, then you know that a parable is just simply a story that Jesus told that had a deeper meaning to it. Um, so I'm excited to get to talk through the parables tonight. And before we kind of kick off, I actually have a kind of funny video to show and just a little uh, intro to the video. So it's a clip from a movie called Miss Congeniality. And I really hope that all of you have seen it because it's a great movie. Um, but if not, just to give some background here. So uh, the lady we'll see in the video, her name's Gracie Lou Freebush, and she is an FBI agent that goes undercover as a beauty queen in a pageant to um, try to find this bad guy. Um, so the clip that we'll see is from a scene where she is in the talent portion of um, the pageant, but her talent doesn't quite go as she expects it to. All 
right, so kind of just a goofy way um, to start the evening, and you might be wondering, how does miscongeniality relate to the parables of Jesus? Well, just as we saw a talent scene uh, in the movie, we are talking about talents tonight, although the talents that we see in this talent show are a little bit different from the talents that we'll be reading about in the Bible. So while uh, Gracie Lou Freebush was showing off some sort of skill or aptitude, which is kind of how we think of the word talent today, when we read about the talents in scripture, it's actually a unit of monetary value. Um, and so we'll see how that looks in this parable. So you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, if you have a Bible with you or have a Bible app on your phone. If not, that's okay. The words um, should be on the screen behind me and so you can follow along there. But just to kind of give an intro to the parable of the talents before we go ahead and read it um, in scripture, it's a story about a master who goes on a long journey and he entrusts uh, some of his property to three of his servants. And he expects them to invest the, the talents and the property that he gives them while he's gone and produce a greater return. Um, so essentially he expects them to be good stewards of what he's given them. And a steward is just um, someone that has been put in, in responsibility to manage or look after the property of another. Um, and also, Jesus uses parables often to explain how we relate to God. And if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you've probably seen similarities between um, the stories of servants and masters. And so uh, Jesus often uses that uh, to show that we relate to the servants and um, God is the master. So just think through that as we read today. Um, and also, I have three questions that I'd like for us to consider as we read. The first one is, what is my view of God? The second one is, what has God entrusted me with? And the third is, how does my view of God impact how I steward what I've been given? So with that, let's go ahead and read in the scripture, um, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's pray. Um, God, thanks for tonight, for our Thursday community nights and just the opportunity to read your word together. Um, thanks for these parables, these stories that Jesus told that just give us a greater glimpse into who you are and how we relate to you. Um, God, I just pray that tonight that it would be your word that's spoken and not my own words. And um, just that as we read through the scripture and talk about what it means for our lives, that we have a greater view of who you are um, as God, as our master, and just um, all that you've given us and that we have a greater desire to steward that faithfully in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So setting the stage a little bit, we've talked about how there's three servants and a master and the master is going away and he entrusts his property to his servants while he's gone. So he apportions different amounts of talents to each of the servants. And it says each according to his own ability. So this might seem a little bit unfair at first that he would give one servant five talents and give another servant just one. But when we consider what a talent means at that time, and like I said earlier, it's a unit of monetary value. Well, the equivalent of one talent at that time to today is about $600,000. So even the servant that just got one talent received a very valuable entrustment from his master. Um, and we also see that the servants didn't do anything to earn these talents that were given to them. As the master went away, he just freely entrusted his property to his servants um, and expected to them to do something with it. So similar to that, we are all graciously and freely given gifts by God. Um, those aren't necessarily talents in the monetary sense. They can be talents like we saw in Miss Congeniality where we have some sort of skill or aptitude that can be used um, to honor God. It can also be some sort of financial resources or a good job or time or spiritual gifts. So there's a lot of different ways that God gives to us, um, but he also expects us to use that for his glory and for the sake of his kingdom. So if we read in Ephesians 4, 7, it says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we see that grace is given to us as he gives us gifts. And Romans 12, 6 says, Having spiritual gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. So just as the master gave each of the servants a talent, each according to his ability, God also gives us gifts in proportion to our faith and allows us to use them. So just as each of these servants had a significant investment to make, we also have significant investments to make with what God has given us. So let's see the responses of the servants to what they're given. So the first two servants went at once to invest the talents they were given and immediately gained a return. They knew that what was given to them was valuable and that they were entrusted with it and that it was important to steward it well. And so the master, when he returns, receives those two servants with joy and he rewards them for their faithfulness. He tells them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And I think it's interesting to notice that he gave the first servant five talents and the second servant two, and they each doubled it. So the first servant comes back with a total of 10 talents and the second servant comes back with a total of four but they get the exact same response word for word from their master. 
So we know that the master isn't measuring them by the amount that they brought back, but rather by their faithfulness and their willingness to go and invest what he had given and steward it well. He also invites them to enter into his joy. So just as they invested well and experienced more joy with their master, also we, as we choose to serve, to give, to invest our time and our finances and our giftings for the sake of the kingdom of God, we also get to experience greater joy in our master. Um, God gives us opportunities to be a part of the work that he is doing now from today up until the point that he returns, and he equips us with exactly what we need to be faithful. All we have to do is take what he's given us and choose to do something with it. And as we steward well, he entrusts us with more. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. So in Luke 12, 48, Jesus tells us, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So the master gives us something of value we take what he's given and we steward it well, and then we get to experience greater joy in him as we do so. So looking at this, these first two servants is a great example of what it looks like to do it well and to be good stewards and then to receive reward from the master. But there's also a third servant. So as we look at him, we can kind of see the danger, the pitfalls that we can fall into. So if we want to look at verse 24, it says, He also... Who had received the one talent came forward saying master i knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed so i was afraid and i went and hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours so we see that this servant is afraid so he goes and he digs a hole in the ground and he hides the master's money and if we remember that a talent is worth $600,000 today, it seems kind of crazy that if somebody gave me $600,000, I think the last thing I would go do is dig a hole in the ground and hide it away. Um, but when we think about why the servant might have done this uh, and what his motives were behind those actions, then it kind of starts to make more sense. So one of the biggest reasons could be that he doesn't trust his master's character. So we see that it says he knew him to be a hard man. But when we look at the earlier part of this passage, it seems to me that the master is pretty generous and kind, at least to the first two servants. He gives freely to each of them um, of something that is of great value. And then he rewards the first two and invites them to experience joy with him uh, when they steward it faithfully. So... We don't see any reason that the third servant should mistrust his master's character or view him to be a hard man. Um, another reason could be that this servant was focused on self-preservation. So hiding money in the ground was actually a common security measure at the time. And so he could have been protecting himself from some sort of potential negative consequences that might come from losing the talent. Um, or he might just not believe that the master is worth taking a risk for. Um, that it's not worth building upon what's already given. He's just going to preserve what's already there. So even though we probably wouldn't go hide $600,000 in the ground, I think we can probably all relate to some extent to some of the motives behind the servant doing that. We also sometimes mistrust God's character or it can be focused on self-preservation or we can operate out of fear. Um, so when we think about that, I think we can all 
relate and see the ways that we might actually also be tempted to bury the good gifts that God has given us instead of using them well. So what are some ways that we might doubt the character of God just as this servant doubted his master? Well, if I don't believe that God is good, then I won't see it worthwhile to invest my time in his kingdom. If I don't believe that God is a provider, I'll want to hold tight to my money or even just try to climb the corporate ladder or do what I can to get ahead so that I can provide for myself. If I don't believe that God is loving and also calls me to love, then I won't be willing to love and serve others well and point them towards Christ. If I doubt that God is a good father that gives good gifts to his children, then I'll doubt my own abilities and giftings or maybe even feel bitter that he might have entrusted somebody else with more than he's given to me. So how can we be tempted towards self-preservation? I can focus on furthering my own agenda instead of furthering the kingdom. Investing in the kingdom of God can be a sacrifice of time, of effort, of energy, of finances. And we don't want to give up these things unless we really believe that the kingdom is worth it and worth taking a risk for. So I could probably think of a lot of examples in my own life of ways that I've been tempted to operate out of fear or um, mistrust the character of God. But I'll just give one example um, that happened kind of recently. So a few months ago, we had somebody come visit our church and talk about um, an organization called Love's, Love Fosters Hope that basically um, like mentors uh, foster kids and they have a camp in the summer where um, they were looking for counselors or they call them cousins to uh, just mentor and love on some kids that are in the foster care system. So a few months ago it sounded like a great idea. I signed up for it, like got accepted to be a cousin at this camp and um, as the weeks went by and camp approached, I started kind of questioning if I really should have signed up for it or not. Um, I work out of town four days a week, and so my time in Houston kind of feels precious. And um, to take vacation days at work and also not to really get to spend my weekend at home felt like a big sacrifice of time for me. I also started to get physically sick the week before camp, and I worried that you know, going to camp would be kind of a drain on my energy and that I might get more physically sick. Um, also, a lot of kids in the foster care system have grown up in really hard, unstable environments and have experienced abuse and a lot of really hard things. And praise God, I grew up in a really great home with great parents that are here tonight um, and never have experienced any sort of abuse. And so I even worried if I would be equipped or effective enough to get to relate to these girls where they're at and speak truth into their situations that are really hard. Um, so I doubted that God would provide everything I needed, that he would provide physical health, that he would provide the right words to speak and the energy just to love on these girls, even though they're completely different from me, um, or that he would just use that time well that I was away from home and that it would be worth sacrificing that for his kingdom. Um, but I ended up going because I'm kind of big on commitment and wanted to like stick with my commitment. So I went um, and it was amazing. One of my campers actually came to know Christ at camp um, and multiple other girls in the cabin. We just saw huge transformation in their lives. Some of the girls that were kind of more the bullies at the beginning of the week ended up being some of the greatest leaders and encouragers in the cabin at the end of the week. 
So I just got to see huge transformation in the lives of these girls in these couple of days that we spent at camp and see them ask great questions about Jesus and his love for them because some of them had really never heard that before. Um, so that was a great return on investment of time spent in kingdom work. Um, and I can also say that it wasn't only those girls whose lives were transformed in that time, but also my own. That as we see in this passage that the master invites his faithful servants to enter into his joy, I also get to experience greater joy in knowing God after I take part in the kingdom work that he is doing. So kind of in reflection, to hear the message of the gospel and to know that Christ has come and lived the perfect life that we couldn't, that he has died for all of our sins and risen from the dead to beat the power of sin and death in our lives, and that he now sits in heaven and will one day return to reconcile all of us to him. To know that message is a great privilege, but it is also a great responsibility. When we choose to accept Christ into our lives and when we receive the gifts of God, we must choose to steward that well. Um, as we wait for Jesus' return, we engage in the work of building his kingdom. So Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of, with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So we are children of God and heirs of God and heirs with Christ. And we get to be like him when he returns. This is great news, but also news and a message that Jesus will hold us accountable for what we do with this in his absence. And I think an important thing to realize here is that there's not neutrality in this. There is either a positive reward or a negative punishment. So when we look at the third servant, we see that he brought back exactly what he was given. So essentially he did nothing. He didn't lose it, he just did nothing with it. And yet he receives a negative punishment from his master. So just like that, a lack of response to the gospel and to participating in the kingdom of God also leads to punishment, not neutrality. And so this is a responsibility that we need to take seriously. So what do we do with that? First, we need to repent of our fear and our self-preservation. And we need to have a right view of God as our master, to know the character of God. And the best way we can do this is by reading his word and by getting to know him through his word that he has freely given us, that we have such easy access to. We need to know that he's completely good and that he has entrusted each of us with something of great value that is worth investing in, that his kingdom is worth investing in, and that he equips us with everything that we need to be faithful. And finally, we respond with joyful obedience to steward well all that he has given us. So let's pray. God, thanks for tonight and just the opportunity to read your word together. Um, that is a privilege. There's a lot of places around the world where they don't have such easy access to your word, and that's something that we can just take for granted every day. So, God, I thank you for that and for a place to just come and study your word together. Um, God, I thank you for this parable and just for the reminder it gives us of how kind and generous you are towards us, that you give each of us valuable things that you have entrusted us with and that we have the opportunity to be faithful stewards of all that you've given 
and that you invite us to participate in the kingdom work um, that you are doing already. So God, I pray that each of us, as we leave tonight, um, wouldn't just forget this message, but that we would really reflect on who you are and how good you are and why your kingdom is worth investing in and also each of the things that you've uniquely equipped us with and how we can use those as faithful stewards um, to enter into your kingdom in a greater way and to experience greater joy with you. In Jesus' name, amen.